you know, I'm going to deal with it. I don't know what it is. It's something that you can't really control it. But I want to go over some things that we uh, talked about last week because um, one of the most important things that we can do in this particular study is ask questions. And when you have questions about something, ask them. And, you know, there's no one here that's going to say, boy, that was a dumb question because that's not what this is all about. This is all about learning and, and getting some insight from something more and more than what you are maybe normally accustomed to. And I know that when I uh, get questions, you know, by all means, I learn things from our discussions as well, too, where I don't have all the information. I only have a little bit of this and a little bit of that. I don't have everything. So it's good for you to ask questions. And we're going to start off our study to follow up on a question that was asked last week. Um, and, and because we were able to get more information to share with uh, all of you about that particular question. So I, I appreciate your patience as we go through these things. But this is all about learning more and more about some key things. First of all, it's about you gaining more knowledge of the word through what we discuss and you gaining more knowledge as believers in Jesus Christ for those who are believers to be able to communicate that information to other people, which is where most of us don't go because we just don't have the confidence in what we know to be able to share. And that's a real shame. That's something that has to just not continue. We have to do better at that and be prepared to share those things. i got to tell you something. There are people out there who are reading and studying, and they're sharing with people because they're reading and studying. And they're gaining more knowledge and insight and sharing with other people. The whole concept of iron sharpening iron is what this is all about. If we are fulfilling the Great Commission, we need to be talking about Scripture and making disciples of all people. And that discipleship includes strengthening each other in the word. Amen? I mean, that's what this is all about. That's what this study is about. That's what all of our studies are going to be about from now on. I mean, that's what it's going to be about. Because you know, most of us know the Lord, of course. Some of us are still learning about the Lord. But ultimately, we need to be ready to and prepared as we gain more knowledge to share with others. So with that in mind, I'm going to go ahead and get started uh, with a word of prayer. Father, we just thank you for this time that you've given us to come together as a group. We thank you for just enriching us with your presence. We thank you for the spirit who does all teaching. We pray that he guides all discussion and we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Now, question was asked last week. And this is a tip of the hat to Joanna, because Joanna is the one who decided to ask a question about whether or not we're going to remember who we are as people or human beings in heaven. Because that's what this discussion was centering around, was about heaven and learning more about heaven. And as we are accustomed to do here, we want to make sure that we're also presenting scriptural references that support what we're saying. If we can't present scriptural references, we have to put it to the side and say that it's not effective or not really helpful for our purposes. We can speculate all we want to, but it's a good idea to have scriptural support for what we're talking about. So one of the sources that we've been recommending, and I highly recommend it, 
Um, I don't know if anybody else here in our church recommends it, but gotquestions.org is the source to go to that I have found to be amazingly consistent with providing information about very basic questions that we may have. And if you have an, a, a, a computer, a smartphone, smartphone, gotquestions.org has an app. You can actually use an, you can download an app from the Apple Store and get that if you have an iPhone. Um, you can just look it up also online, gotquestions.org. But it's a really amazing resource. It's obviously not a primary resource. But what the source is, is that a bunch of scholars get together and answer questions based upon scriptural reference that people may have. The question that was asked, um, asking about earthly lives when we're in heaven, GodQuestions.org has that very question. Will we remember our earthly lives when we're in heaven? How about that? There it is. It's the question that was asked, and it's a source of information. And I want to go ahead and share this with you because I think it's very important for us to understand something because while it may not be the most important thing for us to know, it certainly is helpful to know that Scripture does have something that points to this. So the question is, will we remember our earthly lives when we are in heaven? Isaiah 65, 17 says, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. Now, understand something that that is saying, if you just take that verse by itself, and this is why we have to always make sure that we're using context properly. If you take that verse by itself, it would be interpreted to say that we don't have any memory of our earthly lives in heaven. However, one verse earlier in Isaiah 60, turn turn Isaiah 65 real quick for your own uh, reference. Isaiah 65. So rather than just talking about it, you can actually look at it at the same time. Isaiah 65, 17 is what is referenced here about the new heaven and the new earth. The past events will not be remembered or come to mind. But it also says, verse 16, you've got to look at it in context of that, one verse earlier. It says, for the past troubles will be forgotten and hidden from my eyes. Now, That's referencing the verse earlier. Now, remember, we are saying and we've been saying in our discussion about these passages is that when we die and go to heaven, we are going to a different place. Because if we have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, I was going to put that in there because not everybody's going to go when they die is going to go to heaven. So we have to reference the condition for you going to heaven is knowing that Jesus Christ is your personal savior. So when you have that information and you know that, we know that we're coming from a world of flesh, a world of sin, to a place where there is no sin. Well, that's a huge transition, isn't it? Having a life where you're no longer involved with sin or fleshly behavior is completely different from where we are today. Today, we are, our world is racked with sin. And it's an ongoing conflict between good versus evil. In heaven, it's not going to be like that. It's completely different. So when we look at this, when we look at this question, it says, it is likely only our past troubles will be forgotten, not all of our memories. So in other words, we are going to remember our life. But when we're talking about past troubles, remember something. When God forgives our sin, he forgives our sin and separates it 
as far as the east is from the west. Well, the word forgotten is more not like as in wiping your memory of it, but it's no longer a trouble. It's no longer a concern. But let's look at what this person says in answering this question. Not all of our memories. Our memories will eventually be, eventually be cleansed, redeemed, healed, and restored, but not erased. In other words, it's not about a hard drive wipe. When you reformat your hard drive, any data that's on your hard drive is forever gone. It's erased, and you have to start all over again. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about getting the viruses out of our system. When you reformat a hard drive, you're doing a virus cleaning, which gums up. Everybody, anybody ever had a virus on their computer? Yeah. What happens to your computer? It gets all bogged down. It doesn't run as fast. It goes as those old Windows computers. It runs as slow as as slow as slow as it can be. But when you first bought that thing, it wasn't running like that. It was running much faster. And the bottom line is you have to have those viruses removed from your computer in order for your computer to run better. Guess what? We're actually going to have those viruses removed from our lives when we die and go to heaven with a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's going to be cleansed. Not erased, but those problems removed. I love that. Cleansed, redeemed, healed, and restored. Because let's face it, let's be honest about this. Most of us are pretty damaged people. Amen? Now let's be honest about this. We're damaged. We're damaged because of the fleshliness of our state the sin that we have in our lives, and it's an ongoing deterioration that takes place. The only thing we have to hold on to is the redemption power of Jesus Christ. Without that, we don't have anything. What does a person who is a non-believer have? What do they have to look forward to? Nothing. It's just ongoing deterioration. So we need to understand that there has to be a redemption that takes place because of the power of Christ. The blood of Christ has to redeem us to do what? Take care of this what thing we have called salvation, eternal life. He's saving us. The very act of saving you, throwing you a life preserver, essentially, means that the blood of Christ has taken care of that because you need to be saved. Because you can't save yourself. No matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, you can't save yourself. That redemption has to take place because of Jesus Christ. And once we leave here, this place of sin and destitution and degradation and ongoing deterioration, we now have lives to look forward to as believers in heaven where we're totally and completely redeemed of this sin. And that means our minds, our hearts, all cleansed. The memories that will be cleansed are the ones that involve sin, pain, and sadness. Go over to Revelation 21.4. Because let's face it, we experience sadness, pain, suffering, 
and difficulty, everyone in this room has experienced sadness, crying, pain, suffering, and related difficulties. Amen? Everyone here knows about this. So we're not talking about something that's strange to us. We completely understand that. We completely experience that. For those of us who have suffered from depression, for those of us who have suffered from any kind of ailments, we know all about it. But look what it says in Revelation 21, 4. Well, let's read read verse 3. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity and he will live with them. They will be his peoples and God himself will be with them and will be their God. The very fact that God's presence will be with us is huge. Huge. And look what it says. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief Crying and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Passed away where? Because God took care of it for you. They are part of your former life when you're in heaven. Now, how can we use that as an analogy for today? You had a former life and then you had to be born again. Amen? That's the same thing. You had to be born again. You had to be redeemed in order to have this eternal life. So you know when it talks about the old things have passed away, those are the old things from your miserable life prior to the time when you became a believer. And you did have a miserable life. You probably didn't, wouldn't look at it that way. But if you weren't redeemed in Christ before the Lord... You had a miserable life. Redemption's everything. And the great deception of Satan, too, is that for those that he is still trying, that Jesus Christ is still trying to reach through the Holy Spirit, they are deceived, thinking their lives aren't miserable. Or that they can't be changed. There's no sense in doing anything better. I don't feel good about myself. There's nothing good that I can do, so I'm just going to stop trying. That's the great deception of Satan. He has done that. He does that to people all the time. When we talk about spiritual warfare, it's serious stuff. Because there's an enemy that wants to drag you down and basically you take your own life out. Without anybody else helping you. So how important is this discussion? Very. That's why you need to be able to disciple people about stuff like this. There is something to look forward to in your life with Christ. There is something to look forward to for all believers who truly believe. And don't let anybody tell you different. The previous things have passed away. The fact that the former things will not come to mind does not mean that our memories will be wiped clean. The prophecy could be suggesting the wondrous quality of our new environment. In other words, things are so good to look forward to in heaven, 
you won't care about the bad stuff. You'll be overwhelmed with the goodness of God in his, your presence. What? Yes. That section? I certainly will. The fact that the former things will not come to mind does not mean that our memories will be wiped clean. The prophecy could be suggesting the wondrous quality of our new environment. It's a new environment. If you're coming from a place where there's nothing but sin and flesh to a place where there is no sin and there's no fleshly behavior, what a change that is. If anything, it's overwhelming even to think about. Take it from a physical standpoint alone. I'll get you in one second. Take it from a physical standpoint alone. For those of us who have aches and pains, to no longer have aches and pains in your body, in your mind, those things that you're dealing with, congestive heart failure, you name it, whatever it is, that's no longer be an issue. No longer going to be an issue. That's pretty overwhelming. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yes. It's ramped up. I, and I, I'm, I agree with you. But what we have to show is us. You, you have, when a mouse is looking for cheese. Remember that summer about the, the cheese thing where you're looking and there's all the, the story about the who's got the cheese or whatever it is. When a mouse is looking for cheese, he's going to go high and low and look for that cheese. And there's all kinds of places where the mouse can go. But the cheese may not be there. Well, is the mouse going to stop looking for cheese? No. You're going to go and find it where that cheese is. We are the cheese. We are the cheese. A lost world, a fallen world, who's searching for something, someone. We have to be that cheese. You understand what I'm saying? You can't go by what's on TV. I agree. TV is, is, is garbage for the most part. There's a lot of stuff on TV. There's, there are so many channels. I don't even know how people can sit and watch TV all the time. There's so many channels and stuff. And the movies out coming out now, some of them aren't that great either, in my opinion. There's very little a TV gives to offer, but we have to be the cheese to those people in the world. You had your hand up. That's right. God, did I hear that? If the, if, the, if the world is truly seeking like a mouse, God eventually partners, you said no, partners that mouse to find the cheese. I agree. The Holy Spirit is the one that has to do the work. 
Yep. Understood. I got it. You can't penetrate it. Only the Holy Spirit can penetrate that. You don't have anything that you can do other than just encourage that person. Go ahead. Right. And some of us are different. Some of us don't need to be put into a state of complete hopelessness to acknowledge Jesus Christ. But some of us do. Some of us absolutely have to have nowhere else to go. They've hit bottom. It's just like, in how do you get the people who are alcoholics? What do you have to do to stop drinking? Even though everybody is telling you, you really shouldn't be doing this. Even though everyone is counseling you and saying, hey, you really need to stop doing this. You're destroying yourself. You're destroying your family. You're destroying your life. You're destroying the lives of other people. That alcoholic has to hit rock bottom. Because that person has to say, I need help. And that's what it comes down to. Sometimes it just has to happen that way. It's unfortunate because there's, and that's why we, we talk about the whole thing about sin and being in a world that's a fallen world. The actions that you have can affect other people. That's part of this fallen state that we're in. Mm-hmm. He came out of there, dropped to his knees, and was right to the place to be. Yeah. It takes sometimes leaving off the habit of self-control. And my dad was self-control. He, he died at 96. That man has done it for nothing. He made me understand that I do work with strength. He said he never knew I was tired, but I do work with strength. He needed no one. He always gave to others. Mm-hmm. 
it wasn't a matter of him being a drug infringer. This was the self-deciding and self-sufficiency that the thing was going to change. Does that answer that question? I'm just curious. Everything out of your life is something you have to deal with and have to breathe through because you have nothing. You know, years of family things, your life has to go back in time. Just things in your life and you're the only one that knows what's happening. And then immediately get to that thing has to go back to the creator. Mm-hmm. We, we should be very thankful that we're all servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're servants. We don't really call any shots. We are following his will in our lives. And we're doing what we believe is best based upon where he would have us to be. And guess what? That's still being worked on and fine-tuned in your life because there are going to be different things you'll be doing. You're not just going to be in one place. I firmly believe I'm going to be doing something completely different you know, when I finally leave my job. I mean, I know that I'm going to be doing something different because I'm not going to stay in commercial real estate. So that's, it's all going to transition over. Okay. Let's continue this so we can get through it and finish it up. Um, Our memories wiped clean. The prophecy could be suggesting the wondrous quality of our new environment. The new earth will be so spectacular, so mind-blowing, that everyone will quite forget the drudgery and sin of the current earth. I believe that. If you're talking about streets paved with gold and it's clear gold, that's a heck of a difference from what we got right now. We got potholes out there and you run tear your car up and you get a a hole in your tire and you got to get it patched up. There ain't nothing like the difference between asphalt and streets paved with gold. And you know what? Sometimes you have to say things, those very things to people to give them this type of understanding. That's what we're talking about. Use your current environment as an example. What do you have going on right now in your life? What is happening? A child who is scared of the shadows in his room at night completely forgets his nocturnal fear the next day on the playground. That's true. How many of you were scared of the dark at at night when you were real little? I used to hate, you know those clothing bags that they give you? The clothing bags where they, they, you put the, 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 the plastic over the clothing that's coming in. Those things were all hanging in my room at night. And I hated those bags because there's always a there's a message on every single bag. You know what that message was? Warning to prevent danger of suffocation. Keep these away from babies and children. Do not use these bags on cribs, carriages or play pens. This bag is not a toy. Now, why do you think I have that almost memorized to the word? You go back and look at those and see if I didn't get it just almost to the word verbal. It's memorized that way because those bags scared me to death. And I'm in bed at night and I'm looking at this stuff. And it wasn't just one bag hanging up on a closet nearby. There were like three or four of them. Because my parents put those that didn't take the plastic off of the clothing bags. 
I wasn't scared of monsters under my bed. It was just dumb stuff like that. Ah, oh, you know, hey, I've recovered. I'm, I'm, I don't need therapy for it anymore. I probably did before when I was having the problem. But it's just stuff like that. So the next day, guess what? I'm outside playing. I'm not thinking about those bags. I agree. There's, because there's no reason to think about them. You're not around that stuff. You forget that stuff. Well, what, the, what the author is saying here is that you don't remember those things. It's not that the memories have been wiped out, only that in the sunshine, they don't come to mind. At night, it's dark. All you've got is the moon outside, if you have that. Parents say, you turn off the lights, go to bed. Well, you know, they have little night lights you can put in. Boy, I lived off of those night lights. Oh, absolutely. The night light was like one of the most important things going on. But then there was daylight. It's totally different in the daytime. Okay. Also, the... The author makes a very important point here. It's very important to make a distinction between the eternal state and the current heaven. When a believer dies, he or she goes to heaven, but that is not our final destination. The Bible speaks of a new heaven and a new earth as eternal permanent home. Both passages quoted above in Isaiah 65:17 and Revelation 21:1 refer to the eternal state, not the current heaven. In other words, There's a transition taking place with heaven itself coming up, too. So we need to be aware of that as well. The promise of wiping away every tear does not come until after the tribulation, after the final judgment, and after the recreation of the universe. I hope that none of us are around during the great tribulation. That wouldn't be something to look forward to. But guess what? Someone's going to be in that tribulation. And hopefully not our children. But that's something we have to see and look at. In his apocalyptic vision, John sees sorrow in heaven. I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony that they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Everybody remember that? That's from Revelation 6, verses 9 and 10. That's something that the people who were slain, the people who were murdered during the tribulation, their souls will be there. I'll read it again. How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth And avenge our blood. They were murdered. They will be murdered. Okay. And he sees and hears those who obviously remember the injustice done to them. So they remember. Remember where they are. Where are they? They're in heaven. They remember that they were killed. They remember the sin committed against them. Well, they didn't, it wasn't wiped clean because they died. They remember it. Okay. Their loud calls for vengeance indicate that in the current heaven, we will remember our lives on earth, including the bad things. The current heaven of Revelation 6 is temporary, though, giving way to the eternal state 
in Revelation 21. So we need to understand that when you're reading in the book of Revelation, there is going to be this transition that takes place after everything is completed according to God's will and purpose. The story of Lazarus and the rich man, Luke 16, verses 19 through 31, is further proof that the dead remember their earthly lives. Let's go to Luke. Luke 16. Now, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but you can look at those passages as we are having a discussion about them. But again, this is the only example in Scripture that we have about someone who was alive and then died. And now you see this estate of this individual after they're gone. We've got Lazarus and you've got the rich man. Mr. Dives or whatever his name, whatever name they use for him. That's his, he's the one that uh, we know that as soon as he closed his eyes and died, he woke up and he was immediately in torment. Instantaneous, by the way. Yeah, there was even sound effect after that, too. Just like that. <laughs> okay. So, the rich man in hell asks Abraham to send Lazarus back to earth to warn the rich man's brothers of the fate awaiting the unrighteous. Because, understand something, he is aware now of why he's being punished. He knows the life he lived. In verses 27 and 28, he's recalling this and he's recognizing it because he's being punished. He's being punished for the life he lived. Look, a lot of us know we're not doing right. Amen? It's not going to be like, oh, Lord, I was ignorant of the law. Guess what they do to you today when you say, I'm ignorant of the law? They put you in handcuffs anyway. The law is the law. It doesn't make any difference. If ignorance of the law is not going to excuse you. But even this rich man knows he didn't do right and he's being punished for it. So the fact that he's actually making a correlation between righteousness and unrighteousness and saying, go back and tell my brothers to get their act together because they're going to wind up here with me. Because he knows how they were living. So clearly you remember all of this stuff. The rich man obviously remembers his relatives. He also remembers his own life of self-serving and sinful comfort. That's in verse 25. The memories of the rich man in hell become part of his misery. Very interesting. Part of his misery. In other words, it's one thing to get spanked and not know why you're getting spanked. It's another thing to get spanked by your parents when you know what you did was wrong. Completely different. If you know why you're being punished, you're living with that. Yeah. Yep. Amen. I'd be, on the, I'd be on the ground. Honestly, I'd be on the ground. Prostrate. Couldn't look him in the eye. I agree. Because there are so many things that we've done 
when you're, when you're an unholy person standing before a holy God, how can you look him in the eye? You can't. Now, you're grateful for where you are because of what he's done. Again, he's done it all for you. You haven't done a daggone thing. You haven't done a doggone thing. So, yeah, you can't even look him in the eye. You, I can, I can abs, absolutely understand that. Yes. Yep. Of me now. Yep. And and we won't share those those stories. Yeah. Or and, and mindfully we have to be holy as well. Uh, let the spirit lead you when yep. the opportunity is there, because the spirit knows that person and needs your exact story. Sure. Your journey to help them because they may be suffering. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, Miss Goody Two Shoes, whatever. Yeah, right. Well, everybody here in this room knows you've sinned, and in, there's no such thing as degrees of sin. But some of us know we've sinned greatly. Amen. Come on now. And still struggle. Well, because we're living in the flesh. So the moment you come down off of your high horse, when it comes to discipling people and telling them, you know what, if it wasn't for the grace of Jesus Christ, I'd be miserable. And that will start breaking down some things. Because people need to know that while you may appear to have it all together, you don't, but you still need to be the cheese. Because people need to see the good things that come from your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's still, you still need to be the cheese. And you know what? You need to be the cheese even with other believers. They need the encouragement that you can provide. And I'm not talking about bad cheese. I'm talking about good cheese. Good cheese. Amen? Y'all know the difference between good cheese and... And bad cheese. The cheese that's got the mold on it, you got to cut that mold off. Amen? You can still eat the rest of the cheese. But you cut the mold off. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But this is the way you have to think. When it comes to this, you don't make this more difficult than what it really is. Be honest about yourself. You don't need to tell every detail about your life. But you do need to tell people, I'm a sinner. But by grace, I've got Christ in my life. Those are for those who don't know the Lord. You tell them that. We know each other. Yes. Right. That's, that's a good point, too. 
you remember, you actually may remember those times you've had an encounter with somebody and you didn't say anything. But you know what? When we go before the Lord, it's not meant to be a guilt trip. So we need to understand that. Because he already knows who you are. What are you, what are you showing before him that he's, man, that caught me off guard. No, it didn't. I thought I knew everything about you. No, he knows all about you. He knows exactly who you are. So it's not meant to be a guilt trip, but it does. You are being brought to mind when you're in his in the presence of his holiness, who you are. All the more reason to be grateful for what you have. We need to be grateful today rather than waiting until we get before him in heaven to be grateful for where you are right now. You have so much. And when you understand, to Pearl's point, how grateful you really are, you will share that with other people. The more grateful you are, the more you're going to be inclined to tell people about God's goodness, his mercy, his grace, what he has done, how he has helped you, where he has put you from to where you are today. And we need to do that. Yes, go ahead. Got to put that qualifier in there. A little bit of a nudge. Now, let me, let me point this out, something that's very, very important for you to understand as we talk about discipleship. There are a lot of people like this girl, India, who have not crossed that finish line. They know about God's goodness. 
they know about his word being true, but when it comes to actually believing the need for a savior, they're not there yet. And I'm just telling you this because I'm so glad you brought that up. You're just making the case that not everybody who goes to church is a believer. For the very reason that she just mentioned. I mean, I'm on Twitter probably more than I should be sometimes, but there are even people who are on Twitter that are biblical scholars and get into the word. But when it comes to whether or not that word applies to them, it doesn't. So we need to understand that this is what we are dealing with when how Satan keeps people from making that final declaration. For whatever reason, you know, it's not really important what the reason is. The bottom line is, do you know the Lord personally or don't you? That's why when we're discipling people, we just need to tell them, look, understand that all that we're reading about in Scripture centers back to Jesus Christ. And you just encourage them and keep talking to them and being that cheese. Because that's what we have to be. Was that the second bell? Okay. Perfect. Because we're actually done here. It's not until we reach the eternal state that the righteous will leave all sorrow behind. So we have to understand that Lazarus doesn't mention anything. Nothing is mentioned about Lazarus remembering anything because Lazarus doesn't say anything. But Abraham knows what's going on. Abraham was aware of it. He's aware of what's happening on earth. So somebody's remembering something. But we just need to understand that what we remember is going to be changed. And even later, it's going to be changed even more when everything is finally done. Amen? That's something to be encouraged by. That's something to speak about when it comes to how we talk to other people. Let's be the cheese. Amen? Let's keep being the cheese. Father, thank you for this time you've given us to... Have a great discussion about what we will know and what we'll see in heaven. And Lord, we're still learning about you right now. And we know that in order for us to be prepared to speak to other people, we need to keep reading and studying. And we need to keep sharing. And we need to have quiet time and Bible time and discussion about your word with other people. Lord, help us to continue to sharpen one another. Help us with the power of the Spirit to sharpen us as we learn more about you. There's so much more to learn and do. But we thank you, Lord, that you have chosen us to be your servants. Help us going forward to continue to proclaim your name before others. We pray now for the upcoming message in the speaker. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Great class, everybody. See you next time.